does look really great. Are you in a Christmas uh, Christmas spirit? Christmas spirit. I want to show you an ad that Dillard's had. I don't think this was in Monroe. Uh, uh, somewhere, uh, Dillard's. Quit looking. 60% Christmas sale, 14th through 21st. Dillard's is having the largest sale of the year. Just in time for Christmas, there will be a special appearance by Satan between the hours of 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. Think about that, moms and dads. You can go and get great discount bargains and let your little children sit on the lap of the devil. <laughs> Wouldn't that be? Whoa, spell check, spell check, spell check, Correct. Wow. Well, we're not going to talk about Satan today, hopefully, but we're going to talk about Christmas. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. And, and this, uh, our, our theory at First Baptist during December, we're all Christmas all the time, our music, our sermons. So th- the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the Christmas story and about following the, the example of the, some of these heroes in the story. In, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we're going to kind of walk through these verses and lay some things out. Then we'll try to nail some application to our hearts with it. It begins in verse 26. In the sixth month, and this is probably, that's mean the sixth month of Elizabeth, who we're going to see in a moment, who is Mary's relative, older relative's pregnancy. Gabriel was sent from the city, from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, here's what's cool. Gabriel is is called the archangel. I mean, like he's one of the top angels. So if an angel is ever assigned to come to your house to tell you something, that's pretty big business. When it's an archangel, it's really, really big business. I want you to see on a map uh, where Nazareth is, and these cities are just where they are Today, where they were then, Jerusalem is here. It's about 60 miles in a plane, or as the crow would fly, it's a 90 to 95 mile an hour, excuse me, 90 to 95 miles driving or walking, and Jesus would have made that walk many times in his lifetime, but that's where Mary lived and where the angel was showing up. In verse 27, it says, Gabriel appeared to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, isn't it interesting? Twice in that verse, the word virgin is used. And if you're taking notes, this is very important. The word virgin there doesn't just mean a a pure, clean lady. It, It certainly was a pure, clean lady. It means literally someone who's never had sex before. I mean, that is exactly what it means. It means someone who has never known a person intimately or sexually. And Luke, the guy who we believe God wrote this book through to us, was a medical doctor. I find it fascinating that the medical doctor emphasizes twice in this historical narrative that Mary was a virgin. It says that she was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph of the house of David. Going to be very important, too, because the Messiah was going to come through the lineage of David. Joseph's lineage is through David. It's neat. Mary's lineage is through David too. Now, here's something that you can miss that's very important to this whole narrative. You see the word betrothed to a virgin betrothed. Other translations use the word pledge. So I may use that uh, interchangeably because it's the same thing. In Jesus' day, and it varied from region to region, but Galilee where Jesus was from, here was how the marriage process went. You got engaged when you were five or six. Can you imagine that? Your parents prearranged and got your engagement. How many of you think 
that would have been like the worst thing that could have ever happened to you for your parents to, uh, oh my goodness. But I guess the cool thing is you're eight years old. You don't worry about who you go to the homecoming dance with. Hey, I'm engaged, you know, uh, you know, so it, it, you're, you're hooked up the whole time, I guess. But you're, so you're engaged at five and then there's the marriage ceremony. But before the marriage ceremony, this pledge to patrol stage was a one-year stage where you were considered husband and wife. It could only be broken by divorce or by death, but the catch was they did not live together. The woman still lived with her parents, and there was no sex during that time. So after the end of that one year, then there was the marriage proper, and it's important to know they are in this patrol stage. Verse 28 and 29, And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, this is subtle, but I'm telling you, Mary is a tough chick. Most of the time when an angel appears to a man, they scream like a little girl in the Bible. (laughs) Mary's like, Hey, angel, what's up? That's kind of a weird message. I mean, it's like it did not even face her. In verse 30 through 33, it says, And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. In verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Let me give you a real nutshell version. Here's what the angel said. Mary, you Jewish people have been waiting on the promised Messiah for a thousand years, and now he's come. Mary, you are going to be the mother of the Son of God. The Messiah is coming through you. You are going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Is that not awesome? Wow. And that had to blow her away. And, and what they didn't fully realize is that he's going to reign forever, not only just on the Jewish throne, but Jesus is going to reign forever for everybody. Isn't that wonderful? It was really great to everybody, but it really didn't make a lot of sense to Mary. Look in verse 34. I wonder if Mary cleared her throat at this point. <clears throat> and Mary said to the angel, <clears throat> uh, how, how am I going to have a kid since I've never had sex? Hmm. Now, what I want you to do the next few minutes is I want you to unsanitize this story. I don't mean make it vulgar, but I mean take it back 2,000 years. I want you to put yourself kind of in Mary's shoes, and I want you to realize and think of how people would have felt and what they were thinking 2,000 years ago. I want to ask you a series of questions, and I think that, listen, here's what I believe. I believe that these apply... To some of you right now this morning, but I believe that they apply to all of us, or they will apply to all of us in the days ahead. Let's begin with this. I want to ask you this first question. Do you ever feel like God is giving you an impossible task? I mean, do you, do you ever feel like God is, is, is asking you to do something that you just cannot do? By the way, some of these things, and I'm, I want to say this gently, if, if your answer to all these are no, then you're not a Christian. That's great. We'll help you become one today. But these are, these are things that, that followers of Christ are going to struggle with. Several years ago, in fact, it was two years ago, there was a research done, and they asked people in America, do you believe in the virgin birth? I was shocked. 
75% of Americans said they believe in the virgin birth, which, which is great, which surprised me in our country today. But you know the first person who questioned the virgin birth, who it was? It was Mary. It was Mary. Listen, Mary is a young girl, but she's smart enough to know that it's impossible to have a baby if you've never had sex. Am I correct on that? Yes, I'm correct on that. that that's, I didn't do well in biology, but I understand sex education, and I'm correct on that. What about you this morning? What's God asking you to do? And some of you are going, man, nothing. Everything's great. God may blow you away before this week's over with something he wants you to do. Maybe with, with Christmas coming up, there's someone in your family or your life you need to share Jesus with. And you've been hiding, you've been a chicken, you hadn't been willing to do it. And, and, and people tell you, if you try to approach them with Jesus, they're going to tear your head off. They're never going to be saved. You know, one of the coolest things that I have seen as a pastor is people give their life to Christ that I had people tell me that person will never be saved. Isn't that cool? And you're going, I can't, I can't witness to that person. How can I share my faith with that person? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you're looking at your finances and you go, I'm in an impossible situation. Or God's starting to touch your heart and you need to start giving like you should. Maybe it's tithing. You go, I can't do that. Or, or maybe it's giving a big gift to tech or to life choices or to Cedar Creek or Grambling or, or to the, the schools here in town or maybe to the children's building. And God's touching your heart on that. And you're going, that's impossible. I cannot do that. That may be the proof that God's telling you that you need to do that. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that's broken. And you go, I just do not see any way how I can make this thing work. Maybe it's starting a new career. You're 30, you're 40, you're 50. The worst thing that can happen to a lot of people is they get into a career and they start making good money. And then God wants them to do something else because it's awful hard to let go of the billfold, isn't it? Maybe it's to stay in Ruston when you desperately want to move. Maybe it's to move when you want to desperately stay in Ruston. I don't know, but I know this. God gave Mary an impossible task, and he's going to give you those too. Here's the second question. God asking you to do something that doesn't make any sense. Now, if you're awake, I want you to raise your hand. Has God ever asked you to do something that didn't make sense to you? You don't have to raise your hand, and I'm not trying to criticize you for not raising your hand, but again, if you followed Christ at all, he's going to ask you to do stuff that doesn't make sense. Think about this with me. The Jewish people were waiting on a promised Messiah. They had been waiting at least a thousand years from the time David had died until now. There were thousands of rich, wealthy young girls that grew up in Jerusalem, which was kind of the Mecca, the center of religion and intellect. And all of a sudden, God appears to a lowly girl, probably 13 or 14, in a poor village that's made fun of even in Jesus when he was an adult. Mary and Joseph were righteous people, but they were commoners. They were average. There was nothing about them spectacular, financial anyway. And, and, and by the way, again, remember, she's, she's a virgin. And God's saying, I want you to be the mother of God. Now, do, do you think that that made sense to her? If you, if you do, you're wrong. And, and do, you, do you think that God is always going to deal with you in a way intellectually you can go, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. I feel it. 
Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 are great verses. Listen to what it says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. Listen, there's no way I can listen to God and God not tell me things that doesn't make sense because he's God and I'm not, correct? So you're, 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 you're in a marriage and you're unhappy, but you do not have a biblical reason to get out of it. And God is saying, stay, that doesn't make sense. Or you're dating somebody and you just like them and they smell good and they're nice. And you're a guy and it looks like they can cook. And their mom can cook. And then God's telling you no. Or you're a girl and you're dating them. And I know how we are, guys. We're just, we're the greatest thing in the world when we're dating We just turn into werewolves when we get married. And God knows that. And God may be telling you, you need to get out of a relationship. Or again, it's that switching careers or it's that moving jobs or or, 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 or it's a call to ministry late in life and you're going, this doesn't make sense. Good. That may be the clearest sign that you're hearing God because God's going to say things to you that don't make sense. Here's a third possibility. Maybe you're facing a problem or a difficulty you just can't handle. You can't handle it. Folks, there's no way Mary can handle this. There's going to be a lot of peer pressure, a lot of social pressure, probably a lot of parents pressure. Uh, An opportunity, absolutely wonderful. Yes, tremendous, but a problem that she could not handle on her own, you bet. This morning, I know in a, a crowd this big, it's, it's, it's prevalent. But even if you escape it this morning, you, you're going to be here soon. You're going to face something. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe it's physically. Maybe it's your finances. Again, maybe it's a relationship or, or your marriage. And you just cannot handle it on your own. Dr. Howard Hendricks was a Christian educator for years, and and I love a quote that he said, because I think it's so true. He said, many times opportunities come to us brilliantly disguised as unsolvable problems. Wouldn't you agree with that? The problem in my life is they're brilliantly (laughs) disguised as unsolvable problems. Are you facing something today, truthfully, you can't handle on your own? You know, I I say this very humbly, but good. That might be the thing that's going to get you to look to God. But you're going to. Here's the fourth thing. And boy, this is getting real. Maybe God's going to ask you to do something you don't want to do. How many of you can say God has asked you to do something you don't want to do? Okay, you don't have to raise your hands, but I'm going to say this again. If he never has, you don't belong to him and you're not hearing him. Because our natural nature is going to go against God. Now, I I want to be clear on this. Do I believe Mary wanted to do this and was willing to do it? Absolutely. But here's the speculation, a thought. I I wonder if there were times... Two years before, or a year before, or, or other women maybe that God thought about, maybe this would be the one, and they just weren't willing to do it. You ever thought about that? Folks, make no mistake about this. Mary was not a robot. This was not predetermined that she had to say yes. She had to say yes. And you're going to face things in your life when you follow God that God's going to ask you to do that you do not 
want to do. One of the realest things to, as a young pastor that educated me, this is about 30 years ago, I was talking to a man. He, was, he wasn't a member of my church, but we were friends, and he was much older than me. He had been a leader in his church. He had an affair. The affair had been about 10 years earlier. It blew up. It was terrible. But he and his wife were able to work things out. Here's what he told me. He said, Chris, I didn't want to go back to my wife. He said, I didn't love her anymore. He said, I was in love with this other woman. But I knew that it was the right thing to do. And I went back to this woman I didn't love, and I stayed with her. And he said, the great thing is, now, years later, I'm in love with her more than I ever was. But it struck me, the honesty. See, we hide in church, don't we? You don't ever hardly hear someone say, well, God's calling me to be a foreign missionary, and I just don't want to do it. We, because we would think people would look down on us. Let's get real. God's going to call you to do stuff that you are not going to want to do. Again, maybe it's that breaking up or, or, or staying in that marriage or switching jobs or, or moving or staying. But God's going to say things to you. He's going to call you to do things you're not going to want to do. And let me give you a fifth thing here. And this is more of a statement. Following God's going to lead you contrary to culture. And there's going to be a price to pay for it. When, when, when you decide, or if you decide, you decide this morning you're going to become a Christian. You decide today you're going to live for God with all your heart. You're going to break up, or you're going to stay in that marriage, or you're going to handle your finances God's way. You're going to do life God's way. Not religious. You're going to do life God's way. There's going to be a price to pay for it. If you're taking notes, write this down. Deuteronomy 22, verse 23 and 24. Deuteronomy 22, 23, and 24. Here's what it said. A woman who is pledged to be married, if, if her and a man are caught having sex, and by the way, she's going to be pregnant, so she's going to be caught, correct? The penalty for that was death. You stoned them to death with rocks. You killed them. Now, whether Israel could practice that as a civil law at this time is debatable, but it shows you how high that the stakes were. 30-something years later, I want to read this to you, and you can study it when you get home. It may make you think people were still calling Jesus an illegitimate child 30 years later. John chapter 8, Jesus is dialoguing with the religious leaders. Listen to this. You are doing the works your father did, Jesus tells them. Listen to what they say. They said to him, "We, we were not born out of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Do you get that subtlety? Huh. 30-something years later, John 8, 48, the Jews answered him, are we not right in saying you're a Samaritan and you have a demon? See, we look at that and we go, how in the world do you look at Jesus and say he has a demon? But calling him a Samaritan, a Samaritan was a half-bred Jew. It was a Jew and somebody else mixed together. That was a terrible insult. But what they're saying with Jesus, you don't even know who your daddy is. Wow. See, we've sanitized this to where... Well, Mary, it was all great, it was all good, it's all clean. We're going to see next week, Joseph didn't even believe her when she told him what happened. Folks, following God's tough. There was a Christmas play years ago. Had a lot of little kids in the cast, and they try to give everybody a a role. So some kids are cattle and some kids are sheep. I would have been a cow. I can see that. <laughs> a little bull. This little boy was a sheep, you know, and he was trying to help his self-esteem because, you know, being a sheep, 
That's probably where you put people like me. And, and so he's a sheep, and he, he bumps into the Virgin Mary, the little five-year-old Virgin Mary before the show, and she says, so what are you playing? And he knows what she's playing. And he goes, well, I'm a sheep, and a sheep is hard to play. And she looked back at him, kind of snubbed him, and said, being a virgin's hard too. <laughs> I want you to get the, uh, the message in that. You know, being a virgin is hard. Maybe you've lost your virginity, but deciding to be pure and righteous is hard. And it's contrary. Folks, we live in a society today. You don't have to be some kind of Jesus freak weirdo. All you have to do is say, I love Jesus and I'm going to live by the Bible. And you are going to be hammered. It has, at the speed of light, this has changed in our society in America. Uh, The the most tolerant people are the most intolerant. Have you noticed that? (laughs) And, and, and that's not going to get better, probably, without some real spiritual things happening in our country. I'm just saying this. When you decide, when you decide to live for Christ, you're going to be contrary to culture, young people, and you're going to pay a price for it. Okay? So what do we do with all this? What do you do with an impossible situation? What do you do when, when you're going to pay a price, when you don't understand, when it doesn't make sense? I'm going to give you three thoughts that Mary shows us here. Number one, make sure you're hearing from God. Make sure you're hearing God correctly. A lot of us are making decisions, and we're going to blame God for it when it's not God. Make sure you hear God correctly. Several years ago in Conyers, Georgia, A lady named Nancy Fowler claimed that the Virgin Mary was showing up at her house and giving her messages. And so many people believed it. Thousands of people flocked to her farmhouse, and she would come out and say, the Virgin Mary told me this, that, and that. It's interesting, the Virgin Mary didn't even consult the Virgin Mary here. She went back to God. That's what I want to encourage you to do. In verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? In other words, clarify your message. Verse 36, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. See, here's what happened. Mary went back to the source and God said, listen, it's going to be supernatural. The Holy Spirit's going to touch your womb and you're going to become pregnant. Makes sense, doesn't it? How do you know if you're hearing from God? Does it line up with Scripture? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit wrote the Bible. They'll never contradict the Bible. God's never going to lead you contrary to Scripture. Secondly, listen to the peace in your heart. You're praying about it. It lines up with Scripture. I feel real uneasy about this over a period of time. I wouldn't do it. Talk to some people who love you and who love Jesus, but who will be honest with you. Can can I tell you a problem a lot of us have? We we don't want to hear the truth. We do not want to hear the truth. We want to go to people and get confirmation. We don't want to get correction, or we don't want to get, we don't want to hear the truth. Are you willing to hear the truth? You've got to be willing to hear the truth. But if you're willing to stay within the Bible, listen to the Holy Spirit, and listen to people who love you, you can understand what God's saying to you. And then here comes the second part. Trust God. Trust God completely. See, that, that, that's where we're trying to get with all this. You don't trust Josh Sanderson dressed up like Lucy holding a football. Ever. You trust God. Verse 37. Man, what, or excuse me, verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This could cost Mary her life. 
This is not going to be understood by her family, even by her fiancé at first. This is going to be hard. It doesn't make sense. It's tough. It's impossible. But Mary said, God, if this is what you want me to do, I trust you. Can I plead with you this morning? Trust God. God's worth trusting. Trust God. God's telling me to stay and I want to go. Trust God. He's telling me to go and I want to stay. Trust God. God's telling me to repent and get right with other people. Trust God. Do what God's telling you. Trust Him. And then the, the, the way this trust comes to fruitation, surrender yourself totally. Verse 38, again, it can be easily missed. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. That word servant literally means slave. Some translations say the word handmaid. The handmaid was the lowest slave there was. Here's what Mary's saying. God, this is impossible. It doesn't make sense. It's going to be hard. It's, going to, it's contrary to culture. I'm going to pay a price. God, I don't understand it, but God, you know what? I trust you, and I'm surrendering to you. Did you know those two things are the solution to your life and my life? Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Folks, push your GED and your PhD and all your degrees away and, and trust God and surrender to God. Henry Blackaby is a Christian author and writer. He wrote a great study called Experiencing God. I, I took it over 20 years ago, and the, one of the greatest things I took away was he said this about God. He said, number one, God is all-knowing. God knows everything. Omniscient. God knows what's going to happen 10 years down the road in your life better than you remember what happened yesterday. Isn't that cool? God's all-knowing. Number two, God's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. God, God can do anything. Anything God asks you to do, God can pull it off. Now, if God is just all-knowing and all-powerful, that can be scary because that may or may not be good. But the third thing Blackaby said is God is all-loving. God loves you. Are you with me? See, you're, Mary was following a God, and God wants you to follow him who knows everything, who's all-powerful, and who loves you more than anything else in the world. And, and if you know someone is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving, don't you agree with me? You can trust him and surrender to him. That's what God's calling us to do. And when we put it together, here's what happens. With God, we get the victory. With God, we get the victory. You trust God, you surrender to God, you get the victory. Verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived and had a son. Now listen, he's talking about a miracle here. Elizabeth is Mary's much older relative. Elizabeth and Zachariah, they can't have kids. They've tried to have kids. They can't have kids. They, they're senior adults. They're in the senior adult choir. They are at Ryan's right now getting the senior adult discount. My grandfather, who was Kelly's great-granddad and Alicia's great-granddad, when he was 90 years old, he was in his church's play, him and his uh, wife, Julia, and he play, they played Zachariah and Elizabeth. And oh, how I wish I could have been there to watch Pop come down the aisle like that. But that's probably how Zachariah and Elizabeth went to get the baby at night was just like that. They, they, were, they were old people. And God said, listen, if the, if the senior adult class can start having babies, God can do anything. Amen? <laughs> In verse 37, it says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Impossible means that, that, that can't be done. It's, it's unable. Listen to what he says here. Nothing God is unable to do. Do you believe that? Is that not awesome? So see, here's the deal. If God brings you to something, God will get you through it. Amen? 
If God brings you to it, he will get you through it. And, and you say, well, God didn't bring me to it. I created this mess for myself. Repent, trust, and surrender. Let God put his hand in your mess and make a masterpiece. Because God can do that. I trust him. I surrender to him. Someone said with God, when you get to a mountain, and you always will, that God can get you over the mountain, around the mountain, through the mountain, under the mountain, or God can leave you on this side of the mountain and make you happy on this side of the mountain. And that is the truth. Folks, I'm just telling you that what Mary teaches us today, that if we will trust and surrender, that we will see the miracle. Now listen. This wasn't a one-time, one-shot thing. This was a lifetime commitment for her, and it is for you and me. So what I'm challenging you today, I'm challenging you today to say to God, is God, whatever it is I'm facing now, whatever it is I'm going to face, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to stay surrendered to you. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, man, I, God has is, is, is laid it out clear. Follow Mary's example and trust and surrender. If you're not a Christian, maybe you're unsure if you're a Christian, but you're ready today. You're ready today to cross that line with God. Would you pray with me? And just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sin. Jesus, I accept your God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender myself to you. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment. And when we do, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Maybe you just ask Christ in your life or you're ready to do that. When we stand, you come today. A minister will be down here. We can help you cross that line with Jesus today. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you are, are looking for a church to be a part of. We'd love for you to join our church. You can do it after church or when we stand in a moment, you can come and join us. We'd love for you to. Christian, maybe where you're standing or maybe at the altar, you need to say to God, whatever it is you're facing, God, I'm going to trust you and surrender completely. Maybe you want to minister to pray with you. We would love to. Folks, Mary had to make some choices, and so do we. Let's make the right ones now. Let's stand as God leads you.